Turn into your Bibles today to the book of James chapter 3. The book of James chapter 3. The title of my message today is The Untamable Tongue. The Untamable Tongue. James chapter 3 verses 3 to 12. James chapter 3 verses 3 through 12. The Untamable Tongue. It is said that the average person says about 30,000 words a day. 30,000 words a day. I believe I've come across some people that probably say a lot more than that. Amen? Amen, yeah. Some people just love to talk. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with talking as long as what's coming out of our mouth is fit to be heard. But how many of us here today know someone or uh, know of someone that seemingly has an untamable tongue? Well, you won't have to look very far to find somebody because the Bible says the tongue can no man tame. That's right. That means your tongue and my tongue. You don't have to look around at your neighbor. You don't have to uh, try to think about somebody at home or brother or sister or anybody like that that has an untamable tongue because the Bible says the tongue can no man tame for that means your tongue and that means my tongue. Uh, but we do all know with some people that do seem to have a little bit more of a time, a little bit more difficulty trying to tame the tongue because they have an untamable tongue. The tongue can be used in all kinds of ways. The tongue can be used for all kinds of purposes. It can be used to, to lift up someone. It can be used to encourage someone, to inspire someone, to, to, vote, to motivate people. Or it can be used to, to tear down and, and discourage and humiliate and to hurt and harm others. The tongue can be used as a medicine to heal or it can be used as a destructive sword or a deadly poison. But I want you to think about something today is which way do you seem to practice more of? Do you seem to use your tongue more to encourage people, inspire and motivate? Or do you seem to be the kind of person that really seems to use your tongue and your words more to tear down and humiliate and discourage and, and to hurt and harm other folks? The Bible mentions the tongue and the words that proceeds out of our mouth and in many in many passages, and so we should use our tongue as God's people, use our tongue as, as Christians, uh, not only to help ourselves, but to aid and, and help each other and to use it for the honor and glory of God. God tests our faith in many different areas and in many different ways, and I believe that, that our tongue, uh, that our, that our tongue is, is one way that God can test our faith. God can test our faith in many different kinds of ways, but I believe here our faith and what we, uh, what we believe as a whole, what we believe as a religion, whatever it is that we want to call it, uh, but you can put your faith to the test on how you use your tongue and how you use your words. In James chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible tells us, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but he deceives his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Now listen to it again. He says in James chapter 1 verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Notice he said, if any man among you. He wasn't just talking to, he wasn't just talking to folks that don't come to church. He wasn't talking to, to, to folks that, that are not here today. Man, he was talking to folks like you and me. He was talking to, to church going people. Because he says, if any man among you 
If any man among you seem to be religious, among you, among you and me, this you person here, this is the kind of person that goes to church. This is the kind of person that uh, performs uh, religious duties in the church and does things in the church. Maybe holds a position in the church. But they seem to have no control over their tongue whatsoever. And then the Bible says they are deceiving themselves and their religion is in vain. Because see, people can see our faith. People see the kind of people we are. They see uh, our, our faith as, as, as Christianity in general by the things that we say and how and the and the words that we use and how we encourage people and lift up people or or how uh, we put people down and humiliate and hurt and harm others and so our faith is put to the test our faith as Christianity is put to the test by the words that we say and the things that come out of our mouths the bible says in james chapter 1 verse 19 god said let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Every man. He said let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. But sad to say most of the time we are more swift to speak and slow to hear. But yet the Bible says that every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. But I believe all of us would agree this morning that oftentimes we are more swift to speak and slow to hear. We often say things without thinking first about what we are saying. And it is in those moments when we should be keeping our mouths. It is in those moments when we keep our mouths open too much that we do the most damage to ourselves and others. When we just speak without thinking, when we, when we say things without really thinking about it first. You know, I was told that God gave a man uh, two ears and, and one mouth. That means he should uh, listen twice as much as he should speak. He should listen twice as much he should, as he should speak because God gave a man two ears and, and one tongue. Two ears and one tongue. Yeah. Yeah, think about it. There's oftentimes in those, in those moments that we keep our mouths open too much and too long and too wide that we do the most damage to ourselves and to others as well. There's a story of a, that was told of a man who had been fishing out of the, on a pier for several hours and he hadn't caught anything. And as these two women were walking down the pier, they, uh, this man finally pulled a fish in. He finally caught a fish. It wasn't a very large fish. It was just a, a small fish. But as these two men were walking towards him, uh, they was uh, taking note of the fish that he had caught. And one of those women looked down at him and they said, Aren't you ashamed of yourself for so cruelly catching this poor little fish? And the man, as he was taking the hook out of the fish's mouth without even looking up, he said, Well, ma'am, maybe you're right. But if the fish had kept his mouth shut, maybe he wouldn't have been caught. Maybe he wouldn't have been caught. Now think about that. You see, there's often times when we, when we keep our mouths open for too long. And in the wrong places and at the wrong time, it is when we end up finding ourselves in a lot of trouble. We find ourselves in a lot of trouble. Why, that fish that was swimming down there never thought that he would ever been caught by that fisherman. Why, he wasn't paying attention. He was too busy keeping his mouth open. But if we as God's people would take a, just a small lesson from that and just see that if we would keep our mouth shut, just maybe, just maybe we wouldn't get ourselves caught and be put in the situations that we're in. Most of the times, we're better off just not saying anything. Most of the time, God's people are better off 
just not saying anything. But that doesn't mean that God's people have to uh, have a closed mouth about everything. No, 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 my friend. Don't, don't think that just because the Bible says that every man be swift to hear and slow to speak, and don't think that just because we should keep our mouth shut sometimes, that that doesn't mean we need to open our mouth sometimes and, and voice our opinions about some things. Because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7, that there is a time to keep silence. And a time to speak. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. So my friend, there is a time that God's people have to say things. There is a a time when when God's people have to stand up. Just know the time. Just know the time. While the tongue's a dangerous weapon. Why should we we know the time? Why should we know when it is when we need to say something? Because the tongue is a dangerous, dangerous weapon. It is one of the most dangerous weapons of all time. When we think about weapons and we think about dangerous weapons, we think of nuclear weapons and and missiles and and guns as being the, the most dangerous weapons. And yet when we think about those things, we think about all the great precautions and all the great safety measures, uh, safety measures that are there to ensure the protection of people with these things. While there's all kinds of safety devices and all kinds of things to, to make sure that nuclear weapons and missiles and, and safety devices on guns to make sure that they don't go off. But yet the most dangerous weapon of all time that hides behind the gates of our teeth. The most dangerous weapon of all time that, that hides behind the, the gateway of our mouth. Oftentimes has no safety precautions and no safety measures with it whatsoever. And yet the tongue and the mouth is the most dangerous weapon of all of all time. Of with such a destructive weapon at our disposal, with such a destructive tool, with such a destructive weapon just hiding so close behind our mouths. What are some ways and what are some things that we can do to help keep it under control? Well, I want to share with you uh, some ways this morning. I want to share with you several ways this morning how we can uh, keep our tongues, how we can try to keep our tongues under more control. The first way is to make sure that the tongue is not unbridled. We need to make sure that we don't have an unbridled tongue. Think about this. A horse that's not bridled can be what? Well, it can be a wild horse. And the same thing can be with your mouth. If you have an unbridled tongue, then your tongue will say all kinds of things. And it will uh, just uh, be go crazy in a sense. It'll just be a wild, a wild thing. And so we need to make sure that our tongues are not unbridled. Let's take a look at verse 3, James chapter 3 and verse 3. Let's look at what the Word of God says. Verse 3 says, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. We put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and yet we turn about their whole body. We turn about their whole body. Yeah. The Bible says that just a little bitty bit in the horse's mouth that we can use that to turn about their whole body. Their whole body. We put bits in the horse's mouth so that they go where we want them to go. We put bits in the horse's mouth so that they do what we want them to do. And yet, that horse that is so much more mightier and so much more greater in strength is told what to do and is turned about and is controlled by that little bit that is in its mouth. That is in its mouth. And so we need to make sure as as God's people 
But we don't have a tongue that is unbridled and out of control. The tongue, even so small as it is, the tongue as small as it is, has the capability and has the power to break one's life and to break another person's life and to hurt another person and to cause all kinds of trouble and to cause all kinds of things and can even ruin your own testimony. David said in Psalm 39 verse 1, he said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Listen to it again. Psalm 39 verse 1. He said, I will take heed to my ways. In other words, he was saying, I will be careful about what I do. I will think about what I do. That I sin not with my tongue. That I sin not with my tongue. And so he was thinking, he was saying this. Look, I'm going to think about things before I say something that I shouldn't say. I'm going to think about things. I'm going to think things through before I let something out of my mouth that I shouldn't let out so that it doesn't hurt anybody. He says that I sin not with my tongue. He said I will keep my mouth with a bridle. He said I will guard my mouth. I will, I will keep it. I will guard it with a bridle. I'll put some protection on it. I'll put a safety device there. While the wicked is before me. In other words, David said that because he wanted to give the right kind of testimony to other people around him, that he would put a bridle on his mouth. You see, that's how our, that's how our faith is. That's how our faith is, as Christianity is tested by our tongue. That's how people know who we are and know what we are and what we believe and how we believe by the things that come out of our mouth and what we say. And so David said, I'm going to take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue, that I, that I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me, while people who are not saved and don't know God. And he said, I'm going to do this because I want to give the right kind of testimony to others around me. And I'm going to put a bridle on my, on my mouth. I'm going to think about what I say. And he said, I'm going to keep my mouth with a bridle. The word keep there actually means to guard. The word keep there actually means a guard. It's like, it's like he's saying, look, I want, a, I want a guard standing outside the gateway of my mouth to make sure that nothing comes out of it that's supposed to come out. When we think about a guard, we think about, a, we think about somebody that's, uh, that's maybe uh, put in prison or something and, and a guard is standing there making sure that nothing comes out of that prison, making sure that that man doesn't come out. And whenever he said, I will keep my mouth, it was, the picture is there as he was saying, is that what I need to do is I need to have a, I need to have a guard standing outside my mouth, standing outside the, the gateway of my mouth, making sure that nothing comes out of it that shouldn't come out, that shouldn't come out. And so he understood that in order for people to recognize him as a man of God, in order for people to recognize him as a man that, that, wanted to, that wanted to follow God and live for him, that he had to learn to watch what he said around people that didn't know the Lord. Around people that didn't know the Lord. And that is one of the things that we need to do as God's people as well. To make sure that we guard our tongues and guard the things that we say. Especially, uh, especially around uh, people that don't know the Lord. Because that is when our faith is tested. Our faith is tested and people see what we are by the things that come out of our mouth. But see, he didn't just say this because he was scared of the unsaved. He didn't say he wanted to, to be that way. He didn't say he wanted to guard what he said and have what he said protected because he was scared of those people. But because he wanted people to see what kind of person that he was. He wanted others to see the Lord in his life. And so he had to learn to guard his tongue. 
So there are sometimes, you know, sometimes there are some things that, that we're just dying to say. I mean, sometimes we're in a predicament. Sometimes we are sitting somewhere and we're just dying to say something and it's, it is just right there on the tips of our tongues and we just want to say it so bad and we're just dying to say it so much that it almost begins to almost feel like there's just a geyser inside of us just a, about to explode because we just want to say something so bad. But we need to learn. We need to learn, folks, to guard our mouths. To guard our mouths and bridle our, bridle our tongues. Put, put bridle bits. You know, bridle bits are small. But they keep the horse from running away. They keep the horse from running away. And if you'll put a, if you'll put a bridle on your tongue, if you'll put a bridle on your tongue, no matter what kind of words want to fly out of your mouth, no matter what kind of words want to run out of your mouth, no matter what kind of words want to, want to, want to uh, get out and just do whatever it wants to do, if you'll put a bridle, on your tongue. If you put a bridle on your tongue, it'll help keep those words from running away. Just like the bridle bits on a, on a horse. Keep the horse from running away. The same uh, example is also used in verse 4 of James chapter 3, verse 4. The Bible says, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small hem or steering wheel. Whithersoever the governor Listeth. The governor there is just really is just the pilot of the ship. Just the pilot of the ship. And so we see here that powerful storms drive ships, but the rudders, the steering wheel controls where they go. And yet the ship is, is great and big and mighty. It is controlled by the little small helm, the little small steering wheel. And though the tongue is small, it has tremendous capabilities. The tongue can change the course of our lives. It can change the course of our lives. And it can change the course of the, the lives of others. And how many people have had their lives wrecked because someone went around using their tongue as a weapon to destroy someone else. And most of the time, the things that they said about the other person aren't even true. And yet their lives are destroyed because of what was said. And the reason why is because their tongue was unbridled. Their tongue was unbridled. There was a man I worked with years ago. There was a man I worked with years ago. He uh, was accused of, of having indecent liberties with a minor. He said he didn't do it. Uh, he said he didn't do it, but she said that he did. And it ended up being a case of his word against hers. Well, he spent some time in jail. He lost a job. He lost everything he had. And everywhere he, and everywhere he went, the people knew him because of what happened. The people knew him because of what was said about him. And no one knew who to believe. No one knew if, if he really did it or if he really didn't. But the problem is, is that it would always be in the back of everyone's mind. Did he really do that? Did he really do what everybody said he did? Why well, he said he didn't, but she says he did. And, and everybody, and whether he did it or not, it was always going to be back there in, in the back of everybody's mind. And ultimately, the words that got said about him ruined his life. Ruined his life. And so the things that we can say can, can ruin and change the course of people's lives. And whether he did it or not, I'm not sure. And nobody, I guess, really knows except for them too. But we do know this, is that a lying tongue is one of the seven things that God hates. The Bible says that a lying tongue is one of the seven things that God listed as one of the seven things that He hates. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verses 16 to 17, God said there's one thing that He doesn't like is a lying tongue. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8, the words of a talebearer are as wounds 
and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. In other words, uh, he was saying that the words, those words hurt deep. The words that you say can hurt deep. Notice he says the words of a talebearer. That means a person who is just going around and just gossiping and just telling things that they probably really don't know about. A talebearer. Somebody that just likes to just likes to get out and, and just tell things. You know the kind of people they are. They get on the phones and they and they just call this person and call that person and call that person and they're just calling everybody. Next thing you know, everybody in town knows about some little event that actually, that some little thing that happened and most of what they said wasn't even true. Most of what they said didn't even happen. And as it went to this person, it got to this person, then it got to this person, the story became so fabricated and so untrue. Yeah, the Bible says the words of a talebearer are wounds. In other words, those things hurt. Those things hurt. So man, we as God's people, we as God's people need to understand that we don't need to be talebearers. We don't need to be talebearers. We don't need to be talking about things that we don't know about and things that we don't understand. If you don't know the full story and you don't know, then you just need to be quiet about it. And even if you do know the full story, it's not always best to say something. But sometimes it's just best just not to say anything at all. But yet the Bible says the words of a talebearer are his wounds. Man, they hurt. And they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Yeah. In other words, he's saying, look, the words that you can say and by gossiping and talking about people, those things hurt and they hurt people bad and they, and they hurt people deeply. Yeah, they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. Someone said this, a careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate and steal. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may smooth the way. A joyous word may light the day. A timely word may lessen stress. A loving word may heal and bless. The tongue can be used, my friend, in so many different ways. So many different ways. The second way we can help to control our tongues is to make sure the tongue is not unquenchable. First, we need to make sure it's not unbridled. The second thing we need to do is we need to make sure that our tongue is not unquenchable. Let's read verses 5 and 6. James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the, the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. When something is unquenchable, what does that mean? Tell me that. When something is unquenchable, what does that mean? Well, when something is unquenchable, that means that it is impossible to suppress or extinguish. Unquenchable, yeah. If it's unquenchable, that means something is, it is impossible to suppress. It is impossible to extinguish or to put out. And so we need to make sure that our tongues, we need to make sure that the tongue can be put out when it needs to be put out. We need to make sure that it's, uh, that it's not unbridled. We need to make sure we got that thing under control. We need to make sure that it's not unquenchable, that, that it can be put out and that we can stop it when it needs to be stopped. We think about the, the wildfires that have destroyed homes and have destroyed lives and, and, have, and have killed people. I mean, we, the fire has no mercy whatsoever. And a lot of times that's how we use our tongues. A lot of times that's how we, we use our mouths. With no mercy, with no mercy, with no grace, and no mercy whatsoever. And it just seems to be unquenchable and we just hurt people and, and destroy people and humiliate people with the things 
that we see. And so we need to make sure that our tongues, not just unbridled, but we need to make sure that our tongues are, are, uh, are unquenchable. Make sure that our tongues are, are not unquenchable. Because the Bible says that the tongue is a world of evil, a world of evil, and it defiles the body, defiles the body. It is described as hell on fire. That little tongue behind the gateway of your teeth is described as hell on fire. Unmerciful. When we think about the fires of hell, the fires of hell have no mercy. The fires of hell have no mercy. And sometimes that's how we use our tongues. And that's how our tongue is described as hell on fire. The tongue can be like a forest fire. It just consumes everything in its path. The fire has no mercy, has no conscience, no emotions, and, and no feelings. And we as God's people ought not allow our tongues to be used in such a way. The tongue doesn't care who you are. It doesn't. It doesn't care about your if you're standing in the way if, if you, if, that you're going to get burned. It has no mercy. It doesn't care. No emotion. No emotions. No conscience. And our tongues are sometimes unquenchable, unquenchable. And that we don't care how much it harms others and how much we use it to hurt other folks. And sometimes the tongue can burn through the church. It can burn through the church. Oh yeah, many, many a church has split and many a church has divided and many a church has shut down because the words of a talebearer go down deep. Because the words of a talebearer, because the words of a gossip, because, because people don't know how to talk to each other and people don't know how to communicate with each other. And many a church has burnt down and many a church has, has split. My how words can sometimes even burn through a community. Why this person knows this and before something happens and before you get home, the whole world knows about it. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody can just, nobody can hold their tongues. They just can't, some people just can't wait to get it out of their mouths. They just can't wait to get it uh, out there so that somebody can hear it and, and so that they can have something to do almost. Like people are just so bored to death, they don't have nothing to do but just talk about other people and hurt other people. But we as God's people ought not do that. Because the Bible says the words of a talebearer is wounds that go down deep into the innermost parts of the belly. Innermost parts of the belly. Yeah, yeah. The words that we say in our tongues can burn through a church. It can burn through the community. It can burn down homes. It can burn down homes that took, that took years for folks to build. Burn down homes. Burn down families. Burn down lives. People can say things about other people that can cause the husbands and wives to be mad at each other, cause the children to be mad at the parents, all kinds of things. Things that aren't even necessarily true. Things that ain't even right. Things they don't even know about. But yet, word gets back. Word gets back. And, and all kinds of things happen. All kinds of things happen. Yeah, the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a fire. It's, a, it's set on fire of hell as the Bible describes it. The Bible describes your tongue as, as, as hell itself. Remember, we think about the, the great fire of Chicago, the Chicago in 1871. It nearly burnt the entire city to the ground. And you know how it was caused? The great, the great fire of Chicago in 1871 that nearly burnt the whole city to the ground was caused by a cow that kicked over a lantern in a barn. Caused by a cow that kicked over a lantern in a barn. And yet the whole city was part of destroyed all because of this one little thing. All because of this one little thing. And that's oftentimes what happens in churches. And that's what happens at home. That's what happens in families. You know, sometimes husbands and wives, they get at odds at it. They get, they get, odd, they get at odds at each other and they end up having a big old fight and, and all kinds of words get said to each other and it's usually because of something that was so small and, and so insignificant. But yet we spoke before we thought about what we was going to say. Our tongues shouldn't be unquenchable. Our tongues should not be unmerciful. 
Oftentimes those unkind words, oftentimes an unkind word could be the beginning of trouble which will go on for many years and cause war and strife and division. You know, sometimes you can say something to somebody and that person will remember that for the rest of their life. The very words that you say, the very words that you say can, can cause somebody to remember that for the rest of their life. Many folks, yeah, many folks can remember things that's been said to them that they've never forgotten because the words that got said about them and what got said to them, whether it was through their face or behind closed doors, they got back, word got back to them that this got said about them. And they've been heard about it ever since. Whether it was a month ago, whether it was a week ago, whether it was a, a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, thirty years ago, fifty years ago, people still remember the words that God said to them. Just one wrong or small word can, of the, or slip of the tongue can cause tremendous damage. Words spoken in moments of frustration are often never forgotten. Words that are spoken in those moments are often never forgotten. And that's why the Bible says in verses 7 and 8, James chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, he says, For every kind of beast and, and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but their tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Full of deadly poison. Full of deadly poison. The Bible says that the tongue is unruly. Unruly. That means that oftentimes it is, it is unrestrained. It's unruly. It's unrestrained. It's not being held back. It's not being held back when something is unruly and it's unrestrained. That means it's not being held back. That means it's, it's unbridled. That means we just, just let things go. And we need to make sure that we hold that. Make sure that we hold the things that come out of our mouth and not have an unruly and unrestrained tongue. But that's what unruly means. It means unrestrained. It means the words that come out of our mouth are not held back. Our tongue is not restrained. It's not held back. It walks about unchained and unhindered. It walks about unchained and unhindered. Oftentimes our tongues is, and the words that we say just walk around unchained and unruly and unhindered and just go around unrestrained and hurting people. The Bible says that's, that's how the tongue is sometimes. Someone said the most untamable thing in the world has its den just behind the teeth. The most untamable thing in the world has its den just behind the teeth. It is with this weapon that we say the things that we wish we would never would have said. Many people say, oftentimes things get said and they say, well, I didn't really mean that. But it's too late. But it's too late. Oftentimes we, think, we say things without, without thinking and we become unruly and our tongue becomes unstrained and unhindered and unchained and, it just, and we say things. And we say things that we wish we never would have said. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 verse 20, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. The Bible says again, Proverbs 29 verse 20, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? In other words, you see a man that is quick to speak, quick to speak and slow to hear. You see a man that is fast in his words. And I'll, show, and I'll tell you this, there's more hope of a fool than, for, than of him. This teaches us that we should use our words sparingly. Use our words sparingly because if we don't, we'll sure pay for it in the end. Proverbs 10 uh, verse 19 says, in the, multitude of, in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 10, 19, he that refrains his lips is wise. And so we need to make sure that our tongue is restrained. Amen. Make sure our tongue is restrained. 
We should be like the man in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23. Proverbs 15, 23 speaks of a man. He speaks of when he says, He says, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? How good is it? You see, there's a time to talk. There's a time to speak. There's a time, there's a time that we need to keep silent. There's a, a time that we need to say something. And the Bible says in Proverbs 15, 23, that A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, a word fitly spoken in due season. How good is it? How good it is when the right word is said at the right time. When the right word is said at the right time. And that's why he says, And a word spoken in due season. A word spoken when it needs to be spoken. And something said when it needs to be said. How good is it? Oh man, it is great. And he says, and that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. I'll tell you what, how, how, how good is it whenever you're going through something and you're down and out about something and somebody comes along just at the right time, just in due season, somebody comes along and says the words that you needed to hear. It says the things that, that you needed that would lift you up and, and build you up and get you going again. Amen. Amen. How good is that? How good is that? And that's the kind of people that we as God's, as God's children need to be. You remember Job. Job had some friends. Job had some, Job had some if you want to call them friends, Job had some friends. He told his friends in, in, in Job chapter 8, uh, verse 2, uh, this is the kind of folks that we don't want to be. And Job told his friends in, in Job chapter 8, verse 2, he says, How long will thou speak these things? How long shall the words of thy mouth be like a, a strong wind? And see, Job was going through some things. Job had some terrible things happen in his life. He had his family taken away. He had his possessions taken away. All these, he lost all kinds of things. He lost his, his health, his wealth, and his family. He lost all kinds of things. And, his, and these so-called friends that he had come up to him and said, Job, the reason why you're going through what you're going through is because of your sins and because you have some hidden things in your life and God is judging you and doing all this. And Job looks at him in Job chapter 8 verse 2. And he says, How long will thou speak these things? How long shall the words of thy mouth be like a, a strong wind? You say, what's he trying to say there? Well, he says that our words can be like the wind. Your words can be like a strong wind that just causes destruction. Think about the, 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 the fierceness of the wind sometimes. Man, wind can bring down homes. Wind can cause tremendous destruction. It can pull up trees that have been rooted for many years. Pull up trees that have been rooted for many years. And he says, so we don't need to let, let our words be like strong winds. We don't need to, to let our words be that destructive. And that was and that was what Job's friends were using their words to be like. Man, they didn't come along to encourage him. Man, they come along to uh, telling him things that he didn't need to hear. Man, he needed his friends to encourage him and to lift him up and to pick him up. And that's how we as God's people need to be, to, to come along and pick people up and lift people up. But in Job chapter 8 verse 2, he says, Your words are like a strong wind. Your words are like a strong wind. Strong wind scatters debris and it makes a mess out of things. And sometimes the words that we that come out of our mouth are like that strong wind and we just use it to make a mess out of things. Sometimes our mouths just make a mess out of things. Proverbs 25 verse 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. A word fitly spoken. So we need, man, we need to say the right things and at the right time and choose the right words. And so we need to make sure that our tongues and our words are not, un, are not like an unquenchable fire, but are more soothing. Make sure that, that our words are, are refreshing. 
like water doused on a hot flame. Like water doused on a hot flame. Somebody's going through something, they're really burdened, they're really distressed, and we don't need to come along and tell them the reason why they're going through something is because they're dirty, rotten sinners and all this kind of mess. Man, we need to come along, man, come on beside you, your brother and sister in Christ, or beside somebody in your family, or beside, uh, pull up beside somebody, you know, at work, and just, you know, you see them going through through some things, and man, just use the right words. Think about what you can maybe say to them that day that would help lift them up and encourage them. So we need to let our words, as God's people, let our words be soothing and refreshing. Like water doused on a hot flame. Proverbs chapter 13 verses 2 to 3 says, A man shall eat by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. And so he says that he that keeps his mouth will keep his life. But he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. You know, oftentimes we reap what we sow. And sometimes the reason why things happen to us is because we, uh, we keep our mouths open too much, too often, and too long, and too wide. And the Bible says he that keeps his mouth keeps his life. He that keeps his mouth will keep his life. You want to have a good life? Then it's usually better off. Then you're usually better off just keeping your mouth closed, keeping your words behind the gateway of your teeth. But he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. The third way, the third way, the third, the third thing that we can do to help control our tongue is to make sure our tongues are not uncensored. First, we don't want it to be. First, we want to make sure that our tongues are not unbridled. The second thing we want to do is we want to make sure our tongues are not unquenchable. And the third thing that we can do to help control our tongues is to make sure our tongues are not uncensored. Uncensored. When something is uncensored, what is it? That means uh, it is published. When something is un- when something is uncensored, it means it's published and reported without any regard. To who hears it? If something is uncensored, that means that uh, it means it hasn't been edited out. It means it hasn't been edited. It is uncensored. That means it's going to probably hurt. It's going to probably hurt. That means it's if something's uncensored, it's usually dirty and nasty. When you think about something that is filtered, what do you think about? Well, you think about a filter that catches uh, the debris and, and keeps all the bad things out. Well, well, you think about a water filter. Think about that. You think about a water filter that uh, it holds back all the dirt and debris so that all you get is the good, refreshing water. Well, our tongues shouldn't be uncensored. Our tongues shouldn't be uh, unfiltered. We shouldn't be letting the things that come out of our mouths be nasty and dirty and filthy. Not as God's people. Our text also says here in verse uh, 9 through 10, the Bible says, Therewith, they're not therewith, talking about the tongue. It says, Therewith, bless we God. With the tongue we bless God, even the Father. And therewith we curse men. Look at that. He's talking about two different things there. He says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father. And therewith curse we men. Which are made after the same similitude of God, or the same likeness of God. And out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. Then he goes on to say, My brethren, these things ought not be. These things ought not be. I know everyone is sometimes probably has a slip of the tongue. But it looks really bad when we as Christian folks, when we as God's people 
are uncharitable, unkind, and uncivilized with our words. With our words. I've heard Christians walking around cussing and telling dirty jokes. Man, Christians walk around, they cuss and they, and they tell dirty jokes. And people look at that and they say, what is the point of me being a Christian? They're no different than I am. And you see, by the words you say and the things that come out of your mouth, your faith, your Christianity is being put to the test. Your faith, your, te- your Christianity is being put to the test. And he says there in verse 9, therewith, with the same tongue we bless God. With the same tongue we bless God and we curse men. With the same tongue we bless God and we curse men. We wake up in the morning and we say, oh dear God, I love you and, and, and I want to live for you today and be like you and all this. And then we get, no, we get to work. Fifteen minutes away we get to work and we're telling dirty jokes and cussing. And so he says, look, with the same tongue we bless God and we curse men. And he also says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. Out of, out of the same mouth, blessing and cursing. You, you're blessing this, and you, you know, you're, you're speaking good things over here and talking about God and talking about the Bible and, and talking about all these great things, but yet out of the same mouth comes filthy, nasty, dirty talk. And he says, these things, my friend, he says, these things ought not so to be. Ought not so to be. Ought not so to be. That's why James said in, in James uh, chapter 1 verse 26, he said, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, he deceives his own heart. As he says, that man's religion is in vain. So you show, you show what's in you by what comes out of you. You show what's in your heart. You show the kind of person that you are. You show what you're made of by what comes out of your mouth, by what comes out of your heart. By what, what The Bible says the issues of life proceed from the heart. And so what comes out of you is oftentimes what you are. It's oftentimes what you are. You show what's in you by what comes out of you. James then gives an illustration in verse 11 of nature. And he asks the question. He says, does a spring from the same place that it begins to flow, does it send, uh, does it send out both sweet and bitter water? Does the same stream give off bitter water and sweet water? Of course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. The same stream does not give out bitter water and sweet water. It puts out either one or the other. Either one or the other. And so what he's saying is, look, you as God's people need to understand this. There's a way that you need to talk and, and words that you need to choose to say. And you, and, and, and you can't have this coming out of your mouth and this coming out of your mouth. It don't look right. It don't sound right. It don't seem right. And so he says, look, there's a way you need to talk. There's, there's, there's a certain way you need to use your words. He then speaks of the fig tree bearing two different types of fruit. And he says, uh, does, does the same tree, does, he says, does, does the tree, does the same tree bear two different types of fruit? He said, no, of course it don't. Of course it don't. The tree should only bear one type of fruit. And so James points out that even in nature, these things don't happen. Even in nature, these things don't happen. So we must either send forth sweet water or bitter water or produce a certain kind of fruit in our lives. Produce a certain kind of fruit with our words. 
Proverbs chapter 19 verse 14 says, Let the words of thy mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And so what, what Solomon was saying there was in Proverbs 19, he said he wanted his words to be acceptable in the sight of God. He wanted what had come out of his mouth. He wanted his words to be acceptable in the sight of God. He wanted to make sure that what came out of his mouth was, was okay with God. Man, how it sure would help us and sure would uh, encourage us, uh, encourage others to know that we were so careful about our mouths that we wanted to make sure that what we said and the words that came out of our mouth was acceptable in the sight of God. When we go on to say something, maybe we should, we should consider if what we're going to say is, is acceptable in His sight. You know, you want to say something, but sometimes you're not sure if you need to say it or not. Maybe, the, one, maybe one of the first things we need to do is to make sure if the words that want to come out of our mouth and what we want to say is acceptable in His sight. If it's not acceptable in His sight, then maybe it's not worth saying. If it's not acceptable in the Lord's sight, then maybe it's not worth saying. If maybe if you couldn't say it in the presence of God, then maybe you don't need to say it at all. And if you can say it, then maybe you're not in the presence of God. Amen. Amen, yeah, amen. So let the words of our mouth be acceptable in the sight of God. David also said in Psalm 140, 141 verse 3, he said, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep or guard the door of my lips. Guard the door of my lips. Let's just make sure as God's people. Let's just make sure as God's people that we choose our words carefully. And when we think about what we're going to say before we say it. A couple more verses here I just want to give you before we close. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, verses 27 to 28, says, He that hath knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool when he holds his peace is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed of man of understanding. Then Ecclesiastes 12, 11 says, The words of the wise are as goads, and as nails fastened by the masters of assembly which are given from one shepherd. And the last thing I want to share with you is this. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4. And the Lord the Bible says, Isaiah said the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. Think about that. Think about that. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4. Isaiah is talking. And listen to what he says. He says, The Lord has given me uh, the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. In other words, he said, uh, that God has showed me and has taught me how it is I need to speak to people and when I need to speak to them and what I need to say and when I need to say it. And he says, He wakeneth Morning by morning, he wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. And so Isaiah learned how to use his tongue and, and how to use his words to speak to those who are weary and, and in need of lifting up and, and in need of being encouraged. And he wanted to be a blessing. And he wanted to be a blessing uh, to others as well. He wanted to be a blessing to folks. He wanted to be, to be a blessing to people. And so maybe that's what we as God's people need to make sure that we are. To make sure that we're a blessing to folks. Make sure we're uh, a blessing to, uh, to other people. 
Ecclesiastes 5.3 says, For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. You know, sometimes you can tell just how, uh, sometimes you can tell a man by listening to everything he says. Sometimes you can tell just who a man is and uh, by listening to the things that he says. You can tell what kind of person he is and what kind of man he is just by sitting around and just listening by the words that come out of his mouth. And see, that's why, that's why it says in James chapter 1 where it talks about how our faith our faith is our faith, our Christianity is put to the test by the things that come out of our mouth. Because he says there in Ecclesiastes chapter five, a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. Sometimes all you gotta do is just sit around and just listen to people, just listen to folks. And you can know who they are. And know who they are. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verses 12 to 14 says, The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. The words of a wise man's mouth are, are gracious. But the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The words of a wise man are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. In other words, oftentimes when the fool speaks because of his multitudes of words, he ends up putting his own self to death. He ends up destroying his own self because he talks too much. And he says too much. And so the Bible says the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness. Foolishness. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness. And the end of his talk is mischievous madness. A fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be and what shall be after him. Who can tell him? In other words, you can't tell this person anything. You can't tell this person anything. Man, the Bible says that, that a fool, uh, this foolish man, he begins talking out foolish. He, he begins talking, he starts talking foolish. You go to talk to him and he just, he just says things from the very beginning that's just, that's just foolish and he just talks that way. He just talks that way. And the Bible says, that he will swallow his own self up. And the way that he talks, the Bible calls it is mischievous madness. You ever met somebody like that? Ever met somebody like that? The last thing here, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, says, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. In other words, you know, sometimes people are just struggling. They're just going through some things and they're down and out. And the Bible says that heaviness in a man's heart makes him stoop. You ever seen somebody just kind of walk around and their shoulders are kind of bent forward and they're just kind of walking around, maybe got their head down. and You can just tell by looking at them that something's wrong. You can just tell by looking at them that, that something's not right, that, that maybe they're hurt. And the, God, and the Bible goes on to say, Proverbs 12, 25, but a good word maketh it glad. A good word maketh it glad. So use your words, man. Use your words to, to help people and to speak to people. Use your words to, to be gracious. Use your words to be gracious. And I believe that we as God's people ought to use our words in this kind of way. Use our words in this kind of way. Amen.